What is going on, everybody? It is episode 59 of Pop Culture Crisis. I am your host, Brett, and I am here with my co-host. Introduce yourself, please. Miracle Sam, nice to meet you. And that was a long inhale. I hope. I hope it makes it to the cut. Yes, it will. I'm sure it will. Um, we're we're getting back on track here. So I I was doing some um, work in the studio with Carter yesterday, and of course, as tends to happen with stuff like that, uh, lights get bumped. Uh, audio because we had to do a bunch of cable management, so stuff gets changed around. So yeah. we're kind of just having some technical issues, making sure everything gets back on track and working uh, solid as we start the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how was your weekend? It was good so far. I got to sleep in, but today I thought I was late for some weird reason, so I showed up an hour early. <laughs> she did. I was like, I, I looked at my clock. I'm like, she, wow, she, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And I'm like, you're not late. You're early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for for coming in early. It's very punctual of you. Uh, we we can only appreciate that. Yeah. So that was my fault. But uh, maybe it was just such a good weekend that you're like, oh man, I don't even know what day it is now. Yeah, and also, um, it's because I had a dream that you like called me and said, "Where are you at?" It seemed to be like a Sunday thing for us, where like mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know if it's, it was like, okay, I get nervous on the Sunday shows. Yeah. I don't get nervous during the week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because we've just taken two days off. Uh, so like, you know, cause for the Monday show, like, I, I don't know why that is, but mm-hmm. I, I don't get like, maybe it's cause like during the work week you're like in the, in the groove, but, uh, I yeah. get, I get a little bit of anxiety when we're, when we're getting ready, getting ready for the it's week. It's a Monday for this podcast. Yes. Um, it is. So, uh, we're going to talk about the box office. We're going to talk about, uh, Uncharted doing better than expected, or at least at the high end of what people expected for, for the, for that movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about, uh, James Gunn talk. Uh, he talks about what happened with, uh, we on IR, I was on IRL on Friday and, and we went into detail. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went into detail about the, uh, cameos from the Justice League uh, in Peacemaker and there's a couple articles about it that I found really interesting l- regarding the logistics and everything about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that isn't the most interesting thing in the world to a lot of people but I love that stuff. I live for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about Paul Dano and some articles about him um, getting into character to play the Riddler and which I think are being slightly um, cynical and exploitative in call in the way they seem to call back to Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, as we all know what happened to him. And then we're also going to talk about The Legend of Vox Machina. We finally finished the series mm-hmm. for, for season one. I uh, thought there was 13 episodes, not 12. 12. Uh, yeah. I did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also we've got uh, Podluck and Miracle's got some stuff to discuss there. So if, are you ready? Yes, you ready? we're ready, let's, kids. Let's just do this. Let's let's just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. So here it is, box office for the week st- uh, for the week started. Now, I forgot it was a holiday weekend. I think it's because we work so much. Wait, like, it's a holiday it's weekend? President's Day weekend. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. This is the second time we've recorded this. I would th- talk about it in here. Yes, it is. It's a holiday weekend. So, oh, my goodness. So really? it says weekend estimates for uh, for the box office. It says Uncharted op- overperforms with $44.16 million for the three-day weekend and then $51.4 million for the four-day weekend. So that's because it's President's Day. Well, it will be President's Day. So it says following a relatively slow, slow Super Bowl frame, the North American box office picked back up again over the long President's Day weekend with the release of Sony's Uncharted, which easily won the weekend with an estimated 44.16 million through Sunday and 51 point or in 51 million through Monday from 4,275 locations. From everything I see, I've seen doing these uh, segments, that's quite a few theaters. That, mm-hmm. That's a big release. So it says elsewhere, United Artists and MGM's Dog 
also showed uh, had strong results. While LD Entertainment's The Cursed barely scraped by with a top ten debut. And I think me and you talked about before. It's like we didn't even know that was a thing. Nope. Because uh, it wasn't. I, it wasn't a wide release according to the 2020 movie slate that I have. 2022 mm-hmm. movie slate that I have. It says starring the MCU's darling Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. What is it, Mark Wahlberg? Was he chopped liver? He's not. He's not someone's darling. Nope. I'm sure his wife thinks he's a darling. Well, he's past that age where we call him darling. He can't be a darling anymore. Nope. What is he now? Here you go, champ. Guy. Yeah, guy. And that guy. And Guy Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Uncharted, based on the video game series of the same name, was positioned as an event-sized release by Sony, and Holland's Spider-Man star power, uh, you know, so Spider-Man, his ability to uh, draw in audience playing Peter Parker, combined with the fact that Sony treated this movie like a big deal, there was a huge marketing push for this movie. I saw yeah. ads for this everywhere. One I want to point out, now, we reviewed this movie, and I was a huge fan. Uh, yeah. By that, I mean it didn't offend me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't overly politically correct, and there was no uh, there was no identity politics. There was none of that garbage in there. It was just a good, fun action movie. But I will say that this had a strong marketing push, including one of the worst ads I've ever seen in my entire life. What I don't think I, I don't know if I ever sent it to you. It was like it was it was like a, a cutout of the the scene of them on the airplane, mm-hmm. uh, and it's I don't know if it's supposed to be like a video game wireframe. Uh, cutout, but it was just really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the other ads were, were fine, uh, and I think the movie was was more than uh, enjoyable enough for people to justify going out and seeing the movie mm-hmm. uh, if sure. they want to. So uh, if you got kids, if you want to just go out uh, with your friends and go have a fun time at the movie and not be preached at, this is definitely the movie for you this weekend. So it says... Uh, Uh, we'll go back down here based on its three-day debut the film enjoyed the fourth highest opening weekend of any video game adaptation in history behind only sonic the hedgehog which opened to 58.2 million uh pokemon detective pikachu 55 uh 54.37 million and laura croft tomb raider 47.74 million but i bet if you adjusted that for inflation considering that movie came out in like 2007 or sometime there i'm just curious can you look up when uh the original tomb raider with uh um angelina jolie came out i'm assuming they mean that one and they don't mean uh the tomb raider with alicia vikander mm-hmm. uh uncharted's opening numbers was boosted by imax screens where it grossed four million and five million respectively over the three and four day weekend uh this result is yet another extraordinary testament to the appetite for the theatrical experience that sony pictures bets mm-hmm. on they're doing really good with yeah. picking their projects mm-hmm. uh so i'm excited about what they've got coming forward go ahead yeah. and the original movie came out july not July, June 11, 2001. 2001? Yeah. So I was off by six years. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, that's and, awesome. And then um, the other Oh movie, my God, I was really far off. People mm-hmm. aren't going <laughs> to... And then there's another movie, uh, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, the, su- um, the sequel movie. Uh, Cradle of Life or yeah. whatever. Nobody cared about that one. I didn't even know that was a movie. Nobody. But- uh, I've noticed, like, if you go on streaming services, like the good streaming services had the original one, and all the crappy ones had like <laughs> Cradle of Life because oh, nobody saw nobody saw Cradle of Life. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, this movie's stupid. I although I do remember, even to this day, there was like talk when the sequel came out where they're like, we're going to make her less um, chest testicle-ish, yeah. where they're like, it's too exploitative. So the SJW stuff, uh, now that, that I'm not trying to be disrespectful to women, mm-hmm. but at that time, that version of the video game character looked like that, not, mm-hmm. you know, not before the, you know, before the redesign. So yeah. there was, um, a thought towards, uh, political correctness even in that time, mm-hmm. um, in 2001. I, what, what year did the sequel come out? 
2003. Okay, so it's about on, par, on mm -hmm. par with when a sequel would come out for a movie that does well. So it says Uncharted had a strong international take as well, uh, 55.4 million from 62 markets. And it should be noted that this movie did open in the international market last weekend. So this isn't even its first weekend in international release. Uh, it opened to like 21 million last weekend, obviously in yep. a smaller number of, of uh, digital or of uh, theater markets. So it says it made um, 6.4 million in France, uh, 4 million in Australia. 3.4 in Germany and just think about how big America is when you think mm -hmm. about 55 it made f uh, 44 million here yeah. uh, 51 if you count the 40 weekend uh, so that's like, just shows how much bigger America is than mm -hmm. the rest of these uh, the rest of these marketplaces uh, and then dog which stars Channing Tatum who also co-directed the movie I didn't ever hear anything about that until I read this article yep. uh, as a US Army Ranger charged with bringing a canine of a recently deceased service member to his funeral like uncharted the PG-13 heart tonguer tugger performed at the high end of the spectrum uh, of expectations this weekend bringing an estimated 15.14 million over a three-day frame and 18.5 million over the four-day weekend at 3,677 locations now this is the most important part of its article yeah. It's a, or for the uh, covering this movie, it says, well, not aimed at younger at younger children due to a slightly edgier tone than your typical Hollywood dog movie. Dog nonetheless arrives in a marketplace which is currently light on films of a heartwarming variety. I told Miracle we need more movies that are heartwarming. Yep. Bring uh, bring back heartwarming movies. Yep, for sure. I feel like we should watch it, like because now you want to watch it. For yes, real. I do. I wanted to see it. I, I mean, I, I understand why other people might not want to uh, take the time to go see something that's less than the biggest movie of the weekend. Like when we go see our releases, it's because we're going to cover them here. So we don't go see every movie. We go see whatever we believe is going to be the biggest film of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. So uh, but I, I think movies like this, uh, they won't get more made if people don't go and see them. So it's good to support if there's a movie that maybe you don't think is the greatest movie but you like that style of film mm -hmm. it's good to go see it just so that it can continue to allow the industry to see numbers that give them a reason to keep making more of that mm -hmm. type of film so it says audiences skewed heavily older i i imagine that audiences for that uh i bet yeah right here it says uh, particularly the movie did well in the west southwest and midwest which accounted for 75 percent of the film's business collectively yep. uh and i bet you it's skewed older yep right there so it's like you can see like older fan like moms and dads mm -hmm. uh you know the kids are out of the house uh maybe people who served in the military yeah. people middle america would love a movie like this so mm -hmm. i definitely want to go see this movie so it says the unstoppable spider-man no way home rose one spot to third place in its 10th weekend of release giving it star tom holland two of the three top grossing movies of the frame so he does in both Spider-Man No Way Home yeah. in its 10th weekend and Uncharted in its first weekend. And my one criticism is that it feels like he's always playing himself. Mm -hmm. uh, he feels like the same character in both movies a little bit. That's okay. Last weekend's number one film, Death on the Nile, from 20th Century Studio or from uh, yeah, from 20th Century Studios, fell 51% to fourth place in its second weekend with an estimated 6.3 million over a three-day frame and 7.2 million over the four-day. I can't talk right now. That's mm -hmm. okay. Um, Miracle's got a whole gimmick based on saying she can't English. Nope, and we should make that into merch. We you should. <laughs> it says Sing That's 2 tough. Sing 2 finished 7th uh bringing in 2.84 million. Uh and then Marry Me dropped to th from 3rd to 6th place. So th it's not like Marry Me started off all that well to yeah. begin with, but I I've seen almost no marketing for this movie. I don't know if you have. 
Um, I only seen it on YouTube, and I know you pay for YouTube Premium, so yes. you won't see those ads. The only place I uh, saw any ads for it was uh, on IMDb when I was looking something up, and obviously whenever we would go to the movies, there would be the posters there for it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any clue that the movie existed. Yep. So uh, if we go down here, I just want to point out, if you look at um, Spider-Man, what keeps happening is like a new movie. This, came, this happened with Death on the Nile, mm -hmm. it happened with Jackass Forever, and it happened with Scream. Yeah. So... Scream comes out, Spider-Man drops below number one. Yeah. The next week comes out, it's back up to number, to number one. Yeah. Okay. The next week after that, Jackass Forever comes out, uh, or not, not you know. So every week a new movie comes out, mm -hmm. and then it beats Spider-Man, but then it falls way below Spider-Man the following week. So Spider-Man yeah. keeps staying consistently in that top two or, or in that top three or four, mm -hmm. while all these other movies fall below it after their one big surge. So Spider-Man's you know, positive word of mouth and excellent market, you know, social media marketing has allowed this movie to stay extremely relevant in the public consciousness. Are you okay over there? My like how Brett pointed it out, like my clothing is like slowly You're like you wore like the worst thing you could possibly wear to, to record something and you're like fidgeting nonstop. I know. Dress for comfort, man. Dress, I am dressed up for comfort. Okay. Dress for non fidgeting. That's true. Well, figure it out i'll just send a picture of my wardrobe to um brett and see if he approves just wear something that you're not gonna fidget with 24 7 mm -hmm. that's why i don't wear the the hoodies anymore because i have to constantly or the the cardigans because i have to yeah. constantly adjust the sleeves mm -hmm. so back on track here <laughs> i couldn't stop i'm like what's she doing it's okay yeah um so uh, of the movies we've seen so we've seen death in the nile we've seen mm -hmm. jackass forever we've seen uh we didn't see the cursed. <laughs> we saw Spider-Man and we saw Uncharted. I think the most popular is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep. Uh, probably the best of those movies as well. Though I do have a soft spot for Uncharted. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope that it does mean that we get start getting more video game movies. Yep. You did some research for it. You said which, uh, who's, uh, PlayStation obviously has its own studios now. Yeah. Um, who else? So um, I didn't know that Pokemon had their own yep. production. And, but mainly when they release movies, it's released... Um, Warner Brothers worldwide, but then in Japan, it's Toho. And then apparently in 2020, they wrote an article, Nintendo will own the rights to Illumination's uh, Super Mario movie. Well, wouldn't it, it's interesting. Wouldn't mm -hmm. Nintendo already own that because they own Mario? Yeah, but like I think this was during the film time. rights are yeah. different than game rights. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's uh, uh, the biggest uh, the best, biggest example of that is the the reason why. Uh, Marvel didn't have the rights to a lot of their characters for so long was because mm -hmm. they had to sell off the movie rights to like Spider-Man and mm -hmm. X-Men and the Wolverine and, and the Wolverine and Wolverine mm -hmm. all those characters to fund uh, to keep the company from going bankrupt in the in the early 2000s yeah so, for sure um, they, it'll be interesting because as video game movies become more and more frequent like I was trying to think uh, it was like as they become more frequent we're gonna have to start attaching like them to certain studios like everybody knows that DC movies come from Warner Brothers everybody knows that marvel movies come from disney yeah like eventually the studios will have to have the same level of uh commitment and ownership of those video game characters once the movies start doing more successful mm -hmm. because i was thinking about i was like i was gonna take a jab at the at the assassin's creed movie and i'm like i can't even remember who the hell made it uh, so I, I didn't even know. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. There's no big releases next weekend. So if we go up here uh, next weekend, all we've got coming out is a movie called uh, The Desperate Hour, which I guess we could go see. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the one about the mom who has to like, it kind of sounds like run, hide, fight. Mm -hmm. um, 
But uh, recently widowed mother Amy Carr, Academy Award winner Naomi Watts, is uh, doing her best to restore normalcy to the lives of her young children. Uh, not not young, mm-hmm. not run, hide, fight, a different one. So it says uh, to the lives of her young daughter and teenage son in their small town. As she's on a jog in the woods, she finds her town thrown into chaos as a shooting takes place at her son's school. That was run, hide, fight. Yep. That was uh, uh, and in that movie got lambasted. So it says miles away on foot in the dense forest, Amy, Amy desperately races against time to save her son. Again, another movie where it would be a typically male character mm-hmm. being done by uh, uh, a much smaller woman. That's fine. It doesn't always work. It, well, it. I feel like it's cool to talk about like how mothers like they jump in high gear and the um the adrenaline like kicks in because yes. like their kid is like gone. Yep. I kind of like that aspect, but like as you said, never yeah. underestimate the mama bear when her cubs are in danger. Mm-hmm. And then to answer your question um, earlier about Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. uh, the movie that that movie was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Okay, so the rights are probably with Disney now because 20th Century is Disney. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so that that's the only one coming out next week. So we really don't have anything big coming out until the following week on March 4th, where we will go see the Batman yep. and likely give a very lengthy review. That will be mostly me talking. Everybody else will be like, yeah, it was fine. And I'll be mm-hmm. sitting here ranting and raving about it, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was good or bad. And I'm sure given that it's a Matt Reeves production and I love Matt Reeves work, it will be very, very good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe we, maybe we don't go see a new movie this week, but we go see dog. Yeah, or something maybe no Brian problem. would be uh, cool with going to see that I bet you Brian might because he loves German Shepherds and he and, loves dogs yeah and he used to serve in the military too yep so there's uh, even more he's like come on man don't you identify this also I do want to point out that uh, the director of Uncharted um, did release a st- uh, it says a director hopes to make a sequel says it's up to the fans so Ruben Fleischer I'm going to go back to the sequence here uh, yeah. Ruben Fleischer uh, would be thrilled to make a sequel to Uncharted but says the audience will decide the future of the potential franchise uh, if a sequel to Uncharted ends up happening you can count on director Ruben Fleischer to be on board now playing in theaters the new Uncharted movie is directly based on the popular video game series of the same name. Uh, whether this film ends up starting a new series of the lives of the game, uh, a new series of the lives of the game, which inspired it remains to be seen. It really will uh, depend on whether people go out yeah, to see it. And given those sure. opening weekend box office numbers, it did pretty well. So yep. my hope is that we end up, like I said, I, I it wasn't it wasn't the greatest movie ever. It wasn't uh, awful, but I think it was a good time at the movies. And if they can make a second one, I'd be okay with that. I'd mm-hmm. be down. Would you go see another one? Well, yeah, yeah, I would because I was the one who was more excited about this movie. Yes, and now Brett is more excited about it. Uh, I'm I'm excited about the fact that it's non-offensive and uh, not uh, jam-packed with identity politics and stuff like that. Okay, so one of the things I want to talk about was uh, I was on IRL on uh on friday and we got to talking about the show peacemaker uh on top of like a bunch of shows that we talked about that i was a huge fan of and one of the things we talked about was this cameo that they do at the end with the entirety of the justice league uh and it's it pays off a bunch of stuff that we talked about in our review about uh jokes that peacemaker made throughout the course of the show uh ones that i actually thought were really funny Mm -hmm. uh and i kind of went and started doing more research on it because i wanted to know i I love the industry side of of the business and i love how everything comes together and i found this article from bounding into comics about uh it talks about how he managed to pull this off uh, especially given that these are you know jason momoa and ezra miller are both pretty big name actors momoa so more so uh than miller 
And I just wanted to see how he managed to bring the managed to bring them in. And I thought this article ended up being even more interesting uh, when you look at it from an industry perspective. So it mm-hmm. says, "Peacemaker's messy affair uh, of a first se- messy affair of a first season is finally done and bingeable, and it didn't go without a few surprises. The likes of which writer James, writer director of the show and its finale, James Gunn, learned from Marvel. Uh, when Peacemaker wins the day for his team, he meets the Justice League, who shows up to the crisis too late. That was the funniest part of the whole mm-hmm. episode." Uh, uh, the, though there is a reason beyond what's going on in the DCEU. We don't have the budget for them to show up on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, never never, be able, never been able to do it. They had to show up late, Gun Explains Variety. Basically, there was no way they were going to be able to afford to have uh, Momoa and Ezra Miller, yeah. and they certainly weren't going to be able to get Gal Gadot uh, and uh, Ray Fisher and uh, Ben Affleck because mm-hmm. Ray Fisher and Ben Affleck have their own issues with... Uh, with DC, with the DCEU and yeah. Warner Brothers right now. Moreover, the cameo happened on the spur of the moment without consulting DC. I didn't have a conversation with uh, with the company. I just wrote it and gave them the scripts. I didn't think they'd really they really realized what they had agreed to until they saw what I had shot, which was the Justice League there uh, gun at. So he. He didn't understand, like nobody understood what was going on until he got it done and he managed to make this happen, which is very cool. It says, yeah. and despite the implications of what this means for the DCEU trickling up to the studio executives, Gunn said, to their credit, they let me get away with it. Uh, the real highlights in the actual only members of the Justice League with meaningful speaking parts were that of the Flash and Aquaman exchanging banter. That's where they're talking about um, uh, throughout the show. Uh, Peacemaker makes jokes about Aquaman having sex with fish, yeah. which is like an ongoing joke throughout the show. He also had a really funny one tell, uh, talking about uh, Green Arrow going to brony conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't. Do you? I don't even remember what the Superman one was, but the Superman one was right at the beginning of the show. Uh, Let me search that. Yeah, that might like... be that might be online. If you're like like uh, I don't know how what you'd search for, but there might be something on there. It says Momoa was okay with the fish copulation jokes. I think before we ever shot the show, we talked to Jason about it. We were like, listen, Peacemaker says you f fish all the time, and we were a little a little afraid that he might be upset, but he just laughed. I don't know why he would care. Uh, Momoa seems like a, a pretty cool dude. Mm-hmm. Plus, the show is very clearly different than everything else that they're making. It's not like they're turning the character into a joke throughout the result you know, the rest of the DCEU. Uh, and he was on board from the beginning, Gunn said. Obtaining the services of Miller was a little bit more complex, bringing Marvel and DC film crews together. And then Ezra, I thought out of, uh, I, I found out through some common friends uh, liked my movies a lot, and so I asked if he would come in and shoot the scene, and he kindly agreed to do that, Gunn said. Actually, Marvel shot Ezra Forrest while we were shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So this is where he clarified that Marvel and DC had to like work together to do this, mm-hmm. because he had actually screen-tested the guy who plays Mern, yeah. uh, Chuck Wuddy, uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, and then we got Ezra for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So both of those actors are going to work with him on Marvel movies, so then they had to come back in to do this one. So mm-hmm. did you Did you like the cameo? Was that your favorite I, part of that episode? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, which of the jokes did you like the most that he made? I liked the... Um, I almost said Jason Momoa, but I mean the Aquaman joke because like uh, the Flash was like, wait, what? Yep. Yep, the Ezra Miller's face. I'm not a huge fan of Ezra Miller as an actor, but he he does that type of humor fairly well. Yeah. So it says, uh, there's some serendipity at play, but it did not apply to the noticeably absent Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill. Yeah, like you can tell, like if you look up here at the original, like this uh, screenshot of it, Mm -hmm. like it's so weird 
to me. Like you can look at them and they're dressed perfectly. They've got the costume done perfectly, but I don't know if it's just posture or if it's the shape of the actor's head who's who's portraying Super Rainier. You can yeah. tell it's not Henry Cavill. Yeah. Uh, same with Gadot right there. Like you can tell that that is clearly not her. Uh, it would have been cool though if they would have gotten all of them to have speaking lines there. Yeah. So it says, when it came to Batman and Cyborg, it's fairly obvious why they didn't show up in Peacemaker, considering the status of Ben Affleck and Ray Fisher with Warner Brothers. However, Gunn didn't have a substantive answer to give. My guess is that's because, like, legally he's not allowed to speak on it, yeah. uh, given everything going on with, with that. So would you have liked to see Batman in there? Yeah, but we know that Batman legally can't be there on TV uh, shows. See, I don't think that matters as much because it's HBO Max. I think I think they would have uh, they would have been okay with it. But and that's not legally. I think that's just them making that decision that they mm -hmm. don't put Batman on screen unless they unless it's absolutely in a movie because he's just too much of a money maker. Mm -hmm. uh, I know he appeared in Titans, but like I said that's HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, that's not the same thing as appearing on the CW where he did uh, you know they'll put Bruce Wayne on but they don't yeah. put Batman. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would have liked to have seen uh, I can you look up what the joke was for Wonder Woman. I can't even remember off the top of my head what it was. I was no. trying to search up for the Superman one. Mm -hmm. It they don't have articles for that. The only main articles they have was the Green Arrow one and then the Aquaman one. Interesting. But he did make so he said something yeah. about Batman or when he talks. It's like when he's coming out of the house that one time and he talks about. He's like, do you have a ro like the guys like do you have a, a rogues gallery like Batman? Mm -hmm. Uh, and and the, oh yeah, Murray makes the comment about how like he always sends them to jail and then they break out and end yeah. up hurting more people. So it wasn't quite as funny. It was actually more like a commentary on kind of, uh, it was actually more a clever commentary on like how ridiculous the character of Batman is. He arrests the Joker every time, or he, he has the Joker arrested and taken to Arkham and then he eventually breaks out mm -hmm. and the whole process starts over again. Oh, I found it for um, Wonder Woman. Okay, what does it say? Is it? Where is it? it? Apparently it's not safe for work outfit. What? That's what they said. In the first, um, the trailer's first scene, Peacemaker is visiting a school, um, the classroom Oh, scene. when she was IFing him from across the room. That's exactly. what, yeah, okay, that was the, yeah, that was the, that one was funny too. So it says, Peacemaker's future is more certain, so I've got this article here. I'm very excited about this. Uh, James Gunn says, information on second Suicide Squad spinoff coming soon, as well as a second season of Peacemaker. James Gunn's second Suicide Squad spinoff series seems to be moving forward. We're literally getting the Gunver the Gunniverse. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn's going to have all his own projects. Uh, another thing to be noted that I found out was that he, uh, the best episodes in season one of Peacemaker were the ones that he wrote and directed because he clearly knows his material better than any other director is going to be able to direct the stuff he writes. Mm -hmm. He's writing and directing every episode of season two of Peacemaker, mm -hmm. which I'm very, very excited about. Oh, basically, I found the Superman joke. He what? was talking about rumors and secrets about Superman's sex life. What did you say? Um, let's just say this is not safe for work. Where is it? Please tell me. Um, you can find it. Why is it in German? No, okay. Oh, it's like... Basically, it's in German, and basically it says, um, Superman loves sh shit. He loves shit porn. Oh, God. I don't remember that. Am I missing? I might have, I might have blocked that one out. <laughs> yeah, it says, in fact, according to Peacemaker, um, Superman, and it says in German, I don't know how to speak German, but as I understand it, which loosely translates from German. To S, S porn. Yes. Okay. 
So as far as the second season of Suicide Squad, or I'm sorry, of Peacemaker, he's going to write and direct every episode. Uh, it says, for James Gunn, his short-term sacking by Disney for his Guardians of the Galaxy directorial role was a strange case of a blessing in disguise. I don't think he was ever actually fired. Yeah. I think they just kind of said, we'll, we'll bring you back when all of the social media buzz dies down because mm-hmm. of all the stuff that he had said that people, were, that people took offense to. Yeah. It says, thanks to Disney letting him go for a little while, Gunn was able to uh, get himself on board with DC, uh, with the DC train as director of the Suicide Squad, the far underrated The Suicide Squad, which is much better than the David Ayer version uh, in 2016, in my personal opinion. Uh, The Suicide Squad, he was able to direct The Suicide Squad and subsequently led to him building a very healthy and seemingly productive relationship with Warner Brothers. While all of those issues are now resolved and Gunn is currently filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for Marvel Studios, it looks like his main future lies with Warner Brothers when it comes to the world of superheroes with his next Suicide Squad spinoff seeming to be moving quickly along. The final episode of Gunn's Peacemaker debuted this week following swiftly by the announcement that the director hoped that there would be a second outing from Cena's anti-hero. So I'm very very excited to see season two. Mm-hmm. Cena is clearly very very happy with that role. Yep. He, it doesn't seem like he would he's not going to be one of the guys who's going to feel embarrassed about playing a superhero. Of course, nowadays that's less common. People see superheroes as like a a stepping stone to do bigger things. I think Cena would be very happy to play that character for a long time. Uh, it says Gunn had previously feels that he felt that uh, Gunn has previously said that he feels that he has much more freedom working on DC's R-rated content than he does with Marvel. Oh yeah, uh, James Gunn's work fits much better in line with like an R-rated project. If if he like he would have been much better at making a Deadpool movie than he yeah. would have making Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not actually a huge fan of either of the Guardians. I know a lot of people love those movies. I, I could just, take or leave them. I like Chris Pratt. That's it. Uh, Chris That's Pratt's all. great. Uh, and I, I like uh, Drax. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I like elements of the movies, but as movies as a whole, they're not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mo- most Marvel movies aren't, aren't like I said, uh, The Winter Soldier is, in my opinion, still the best Marvel movie they've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, uh, who are Mar- he talks about Marvel being strictly PG-13 with their projects. They don't go elsewhere. And even their TV, like you'd expect them to want to branch out and maybe do something more risky with their TV stuff. But since yeah. it's all Disney Plus, like I could see them maybe making a Deadpool show and do it exclusively for Hulu. Yeah. So that they don't have to put it on Disney Plus where they have to worry about it getting some black eye because of the darker or more violent or more vulgar content. Like it fits much better there. So it says, uh, his quote is just here. It says, yeah, I think I pretty much have been, have decided that I'm done after with Guardian. He says, I pretty much decided that after I'm done with Guardians, I'm going to do, be doing television for at least a year. My mind's made up on that. Not all the shows that we're dealing with are things that I'm going to be writing and directing. So some of them may take different amounts of my time. Like I imagine he's a busy dude. Yeah. Like, uh, cause he's a producer too. So Peacemaker is going to be me writing, me directing and me spending all of my time on set. Like that's mm-hmm. a large time commitment. Even yeah. if it's just, eight episodes so it's going to be me writing me directing me spending all my time on set but other but other other shows that may not be me writing and directing or not directing at all with the episode so he could be just producing those and making sure that they come out the way that he thinks would be best so mm-hmm. it is clear to me that gun is currently in his element and that it's coming across in his work with peacemaker getting great reviews as did the suicide squad last year i, I really guys if you haven't um 
gone if you haven't if you don't have hbo max i highly recommend it if not for just his stuff but also for the dc animated movies uh which are all very very good but go watch the suicide squad uh the 2021 version from james gunn it is infinitely better than the 2016 david ayer version uh i can't sing its praises high enough but i just thought it was very interesting how he had to basically go through and get per he seems like he didn't ask permission from i from dc to do the cameos with ezra miller or with uh, Jason Momoa and they yeah. let him do that but doesn't that seem weird that they would even allow him to do that given that it's a big deal to use their characters so yeah. you'd think that he would have had to at least gotten permission beforehand to do so maybe or maybe like Warner Brothers was like oh yeah whatever well yeah but that he's like gazillion dollar franchises you'd think they'd put more uh, more thought I mean I guess he's already trashing them like Peacemaker's already trashing them in dialogue why wouldn't yeah. he be allowed to trash them with them on screen but uh, I think that cameo made it made that the ending of that show perfect mm -hmm. so did you uh, were you a bigger fan of Peacemaker or were you a bigger fan of Vox Machina um I know the answer to this I like Peacemaker more. No. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. I liked it more because it had revolution. And blah, 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 blah. I can't worry. It had what? It basically, I felt like the ending was more poetic than uh, Vox Machia. More what? Poetic. Oh, poetic. Okay. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I, we're we're going to talk to about Vox Machina after we do this next topic, but I have I have my own feelings, yeah. uh, my own feelings on that. So okay. let's talk Paul Dano and the Joker and uh, the Riddler and Heath Ledger and what I see as a connection between uh, these these characters. Uh, one of the things about this is is I, I I tend to be very cynical when it comes to Hollywood, especially the yeah. press, uh, and I see a lot of like article titles like this, and it calls back to something I remember very vividly from when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. So this says, The Batman's Paul Dano shares why he had trouble sleeping while playing the Riddler. The Batman is giving us our first live-action Riddler on film in a long time. Uh, although Fox's Gotham appeared to uh, deliver a portrayal of the Riddler, uh, a very popular portrayal of the Riddler. Oh my god. It is definitely a Sunday. Let's yep. start again. Let's start again. Mm -hmm. So it says, although Fox's Gotham delivered a popular portrayal of the Riddler several years ago, we haven't seen a live action take on the supervillain on film in some time. Not since Jim Carrey's version in Batman Forever. The film changes, this finally changes in a few weeks with the release of The Batman, which features Prisoners star Paul Dano playing the Riddler opposite Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne and Batman. It's clear from the Batman's trailers that this is as a significantly different version of the antagonist than we're used to seeing. And Dano has revealed that he had trouble sleeping during the time he and Matt Reeves helmed this movie. Now, does that surprise you? Uh, I don't know uh, Dano's history, if he's a method actor or how, how deep into his roles he gets. You don't need to look that up. That's just, It's kind of irrelevant to the point I want to make in this yeah. article, which I think is very, very... Uh, I, I Maybe it's my own cynicism, but it says, rather than being depicted as a flamboyant uh, opponent garbed in bright green with question mark or a question mark covered suit, Paul Dano's Riddler is uh, in the Batman is a Zodiac killer inspired serial killer who's picking off Gotham's elite citizens and leaving taunting messages behind for the for the Cape Crusader and the Gotham Police Department. As Dano recalled uh, to EW, so Entertainment Weekly, the, the role took its toll on him and there were a handful of scenes that messed with his sleeping during the during the shoot. In his words, 
There's a sequence with Peter Sarsgaard's character, uh, the Gotham City District Attorney, Gil Coulson, that was intense. There was some nights around I probably didn't sleep as well as I would have wanted just because it was a little hard to come down from the character. It takes a lot of energy to get there. Mm -hmm. And so you almost have to sustain it once you're there, uh, once you're there because you're going up and going up and going down is kind of hard. What's funny about that is like, this is true of any type of entertainment. Even when we record these podcasts, it's not the same thing as talking about this stuff in a living room. You're still yeah. looking at a camera. You're still doing it because you want to give the best performance. I, I don't know if you think of it like that. Like You're kind of like, eh, whatever. Like you, you're, you're very chill about it. I yeah. feel like I have to be very on when I'm doing this stuff. Uh, well, I think it's because I got over like the whole... Um, the whole with like the camera being in front of you it's not the it's the energy it's not, the camera doesn't bother me it's the energy you have to sustain yeah. because the camera's there like there's a difference in how i present this information to you while we're doing this yeah. wouldn't be the same as the information if i if we were just discussing this article downstairs in the living room it's uh, okay. still a performance even though it's not you're not playing a character you're still performing yeah. Anyway, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And plus, you're doing most of the reading, so I understand yeah. what you mean from there. So imagine, now take that, and you have to play, portray a very, very vicious, violent, or deranged person. Mm-hmm. And I can see how somebody who takes their job very seriously, mm-hmm. uh, looking to get inside the mind of someone that is not them, that is objectively not who they are in the real world, yeah. I can see that taking a toll. Because like when we're done recording, even just doing this, which is not anything that serious, it's just us perf- you know, doing this show, yeah. I kind of feel this come down. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm like, I, I feel that. So I can understand this. So it says... Paul Dano's Riddler definitely looks like he could go down as one of the creepiest villains uh, in the Batman movies, if not rank at the top of the list. So with all that work the actor poured into the performance, it makes sense why he'd have trouble relaxing after the day's work is done. However, not all of Dano's restless, restlessness issues during the Batman were related to his acting. As a part of the homemade, very intense costume, Paul Dano's uh, Edward Nashton puts together in the Batman, the, the actor realized that his character should never come... Uh, sh- should cover himself in plastic in plastic wrap so that he doesn't leave any DNA evidence at his crime scenes. Matt Reeves, who also co-wrote the movie script with Peter Craig, was game for this, but after about an hour, Dano got incredibly hot under the mask. So the point uh, to the point that Reeves members uh, of his face Reeves remembers his face being beat red. Dano explained, "Like I'm having a really hard time reading today." Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's a Sunday. I'm having a really hard time reading today, guys. I apologize. Uh, it says, my head was just throbbing with the heat. I went out that I went home that night after the first full day in that, and I was almost and I almost couldn't sleep because I was scared of what was happening in my head. It was like compressed from sweat and the heat and the lack of oxygen. It was a crazy feeling. Now the reason I'm bringing this up is because that it's not about his article. It's about what the title says, which says mm-hmm. it's talking about him having trouble sleeping. And then I remembered this story about Heath Ledger talking about his mental, his physical and mental draining descent into the mind of the Joker. Yeah. Now, the reason I think that this is somewhat exploitative is that everyone knows what happened to Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. the fashion in which he passed, how things went. And they, he died of a combination of, uh, if I remember correctly, it was a combination of opiates, meaning hydrocodone yep. and sleeping pills like uh, Zolpidem or Ambien. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like when these, when they write these articles, 
right? Mm -hmm. They're calling back to this on purpose because yeah. they know that this will resonate with people and they think of it as like great marketing mm -hmm. for the movie. Now, I don't know if the actor feels that way. He's just telling you his experience, what happened with him. Yeah. But it, it, it does bother me. This, this is an old art article from Heath Ledger. This is written in 2020 where they kind of do a more a retrospective take on it. It says, actor Heath Ledger's death due to an accidental overdose for, uh, forever, uh, overdose forever, forever cast a shadow on the film The Dark night in which ledger played the joker opposite christian bale's batman rumors at the time suggested that playing the iconic villain had affected the actor like i've heard different takes on this mm -hmm. uh some have said that he was able to slip in and out of the character easily and it wasn't actually a problem others say that he always had trouble sleeping and that was an issue for him so it says this was dispelled in a recent documentary about the actor which involved several of his family members he was having fun he wasn't depressed about the joker his sister his sister said however the lengths to which he went to play the character have been well documented so he was a professional he wasn't a method actor he he was able to slip in and out of the character he wasn't letting it affect him that way yeah. but that doesn't sell magazine covers and that doesn't sell uh ads on websites yeah for right? sure it kind of reminds me of the actor for uh pennywise he has the same problem too that was Skarsgård, right yeah what happened um basically like he said there was like rumors also that um basically playing that character kind of affect him a lot because yeah. like he was really into that character see i don't know how much of it is the actor actually saying that and how much of it is these papers like yeah. using it as a way of marketing their magazines mm -hmm. their newspapers their on, their websites like mm -hmm. they know that when i read this mm -hmm. I'm going to think back to that character because not just because they're both Batman villains, yeah. but it's a tragic event in human history mm -hmm. like that. Or, okay, it's a tragic event in American cinema history. Yeah. Right. So uh, like my more my very, very cynical side thinks they're doing it knowing that people are thinking about that. And that mm -hmm. sucks to me. So yeah. It says, uh, luckily for Dan, I, I did like this ending to it. it says luckily for Dano, the Batman, the Batman's costume department found a way to get more oxygen into the mask so that he'd be a little bit more comfortable. Overall, though, playing the Riddler was clearly a demanding experience for him, but it had paid off in the long run. Dano also said that he was really enjoying it being an act, being able to act in a superhero movie. Yeah, he doesn't have like the typical look of somebody who would be in a superhero movie. Yeah. So him getting to play such a, like a different take on the, an iconic villain, which is typically more silly mm -hmm. and getting to play it very serious, I think is very cool and works for him. So it says the Batman will also see its eponymous protagonist clashing with Colin Farrell's Oswald Cobblepot, the penguin who's leading his own HBO max series. That one I'm actually excited about. Yep. And a lot and allying with Zoe Kravitz who plays Selena Kyle as Catwoman. I did see an article today that said she was encouraged on set to be, less cat-like oh really i don't know what that means i didn't even i was like oh that's interesting i don't know if that's enough that we'll cover it as a topic but yeah. what the hell does that even mean to be less cat-like well like Catwoman's whole um demeanor is like acting like a cat because she's a cat burglar i know but like what does that mean does that mean the way she talks because uh michelle pfeiffer's voice when she portrayed Catwoman in batman was very very iconic and different and the same thing for you know yeah, for Halle Berry, like it was a very unique. I mean, it was an awful. I, I hated that yeah. performance, but it was a very unique. It was very much supposed to be like fingers going like this and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, we'll see what what comes of this. I just didn't like the fact that they because they talk about it. It was in that the Heath Ledger documentary where they talk mm -hmm. about he was just he always had trouble sleeping. 
So uh, I, they they want to connect it to the Batman because they want to make it think that it was because of the role because that sounds interesting and, and different. Yeah. And I'm just not a huge fan of that. I, I don't I, know because like the whole Pennywise actor, like yeah. I only saw it through YouTube because like there was like top 10 what actors played a certain role that changed them forever. Yeah, see, and- that that just that segment alone tells you how much they lo- people love to read and, mm-hmm. and watch stuff like that. Yeah. So go on. So basically for him, it was that one. Basically him playing as Pennywise. Who were some of the others? Uh, Do you remember any of them? I don't off remember top of your head? them. Okay. But most of them were like villains. Yep. Of- oh yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Playing a good guy is boring. Yep. Uh, a documentary featuring Heath Ledger's father, Kim, shed some light on the notes the actor made in his diary. Glimpses of the little journal showed images of hyenas, pictures of the character Alex DeLarge from the film A Clockwork Orange, and a handwritten dialogue. The final page of the diary had words bye-bye written in large letters. Mm-hmm. It was hard to read that, Kim, sa- Kim Ledger said in the documentary. He galvanized the upcoming character. That's That was typical of Heath. He would do that. He liked to die into characters but this time he really took it up a notch Ledger's father added so it says director Christopher Nolan said in an interview that Ledger studied ventriloquist dummies for the role as they terrified him mm-hmm. he also workshopped various versions of the Joker's voice and laugh he told Empire it was important to try and find somewhat an, a somewhat iconic voice and laugh I ended up landing more in the realm of a psychopath someone with very little to no conscience towards his act so they, you see both sides of the story from here. So some say that he got really far into it, but like you said, his sister said that it wasn't like that, that yeah. he was able to get in and out of the character. I've heard both versions of that, but the point is the media plays it up to, mm-hmm. to use against, uh, yep. not against people, but to make themselves more money. And yep. I'm not a huge fan of that as, as a practice. So I don't know. It, they just do it because they know what makes people want to click the articles yep. and videos more. Like for me, for sugar, I clicked on that video because yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Yep. That's, uh, I mean, I, I think it's because uh, people like it, the idea of it, because not because they think the person's going to get hurt, but like mm-hmm. they like the idea of people who are so dedicated to their work and yeah. love their job so much that they're re- willing to immerse themselves into something so dangerous mm-hmm. or, or mentally dangerous, not dangerous, but mentally, uh, mentally taxing yeah. on themselves. So uh, even me, like I'm, enamored with that type of idea i just don't like the idea of the media using it uh to sell paper you know to sell copy so ready to talk vox machina let's go okay let's talk vox machina uh we finally got to the final episodes here Mm -hmm. this is the finale for the show and it says legend of vox machina episode 10 through 12 review the season finale of the hit fantasy adventure is an emotional roller coaster that perfectly caps off the first part of the story i will say that I did not like this show as much as I was hoping. Yeah. Mainly because of a character that does become redeemed at the end, and that Mm -hmm. is Percy. Yep. I, every time he would, see, I, how, how long into it did you realize that he was possessed? Uh, I found out like during the first time they introduce it. Did they talk about it or did you, was it implied? I think it was, I think it's more like implied or like you got like, oh, it's on the nose. Okay. Um, did that, like, I didn't realize it till the end that he was possessed. I hated his character. Every time he would get really, really, uh, when he put the mask on, mm-hmm. I'd get annoyed. Okay. Yeah. There was a point where they, they locked um, Delilah Briarwood in that room. Mm-hmm. And he, like, all his friends have just risked their lives to try and, like, help him. Yeah. And then he just, and, like, who was it? Uh, Keyleth was, which one was about to die? Keyleth. Uh, yeah. And he's like, it's too late. And then like 
he goes after Delilah. I'm like, this is stupid. He's really unlikable here. Yeah, I kind of got that too. But basically, it's implied in the first time you ever seen him put on a mask. Yeah. Because it's two different personalities. But for me, I just overanalyze I think, things. I think the problem is also that I was, because this was much more your type of show than yeah. me, I wasn't giving it the same level of, I was taking notes, yeah. but I was also doing other things. Like, I don't think I gave it the same level of attention that you did. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's on me. Maybe part of this is, it's my own fault for yeah. not really um, giving it the attention it deserved. But uh, like any time, Pike is on screen. Mm -hmm. I love it. Anytime Keyleth was on screen, I was happy. Yeah. Uh, it was mainly Percy that maybe if I had caught on to that sooner, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have annoyed me so much and I would have paid closer attention. Yeah. So I, that, that may be my own fault. Yeah. Um, I think it's like more implied and like if you heavily pay attention to it. But for me, I felt like it's just a, it's like a common storyline. Like, oh, he has two personalities. One is possessed. I will say that uh, one thing that I thought was cool is as soon as I saw Anna Rip heard Anna Ripley on screen, I'm like, that yeah. sounds like Kelly Who. Mm -hmm. And I looked it up. It was Kelly Who. So she has a very distinct voice. Yeah. Um, uh, she's a fantastic actress. Uh, and they had a cool dynamic together. Like the way he was treating her at first mm -hmm. was cool. The stuff with his sister, I could have taken it or leaving it. I think I think should. just because I just didn't care about him as much, maybe. Mm -hmm. like, like I love the stuff with Vex. Um... Um, with Vex and what's his name? Uh, Vex? No, the... Uh, oh, the storekeeper? Yeah. Uh, but also the Cassandra betrayal just didn't really work for me. Cursed Percy. What did you like about it the most? I like the... When they finally find out that he's cursed. Like, I meant Vax and Key and uh, Keyleth. Sorry. Okay. But yeah, um, basically I like it when they reveal... Um, reveal... Reveal? I can't word... I think I caught it from you. Yeah, I'm having a bad day today. Yeah, so when they basically showed that he's possessed by the demon and the demon shows its true face, I thought that was like a very key moment that I liked the most. Mm -hmm. Because like the demon to me looks really cool. It has the plague doctor mask, which I really enjoy. It's a cute little um, Easter egg. Nothing, nothing cuter than plague doctor masks. <laughs> well, sorry. There's like a company that I really want to buy their like... Um, for i think it's four feet tall plushie that's a plague doctor kind of thing i kind of like it because it reminds me of like ap euro and okay. like how all my friends and i were like yeah let's just talk about the plague okay so let's just go down this little bit just the legend of vox but, machina has its oh go ahead but grog is the good part of this yes too. uh he's the only one who likes scanlan's song at the end yeah that's my favorite part it says the final trio of, of episodes is directed by young heller alicia chan and stanley uh stan Stanley Von Medvey. Uh, in that order, episode 10 is written by Jennifer Murrow, who previously penned episode 5, and episode uh, 11 was written by Eugene Sun. So it goes mm -hmm. down and it says, the three episodes per week format for Legend of Vox Machina has been an interesting way to experience the story. This trilogy is dedicated mainly to wrapping up Percy and the game's desperate struggle against the seemingly all-powerful Briarwood family. Cassandra DiRolo finally gets her chance in the spotlight, uh, and Esme Creed Miles uh, acquits herself excellently I, is that really how you use the word acquits there uh she was great uh yeah. I, I i enjoyed her performance uh almost more than percy like i was like we could have switched out percy and her and i would have liked to if he was the one who had been kept you, there yeah. yeah if they had switched those characters around um what was your favorite part besides grog 
Um, I like the actual part where like. And you love the you like you like the Percy store like you're I under you're underselling it like yeah. she she loves that character. Uh, I like the story about the uh the aspect of it telling about how his gun became his gun. That was good in the previous yeah. set of episodes. It, so when he talked about the gun, like it came to him in a dream, but then in the final episode, it was actually the demon possessing him to make the gun. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. And then when Scanlan was like, ah, you're not keeping this gun. And he's like, the demon's gone. He's like, I don't think so. And he throws it into the acid. Yep. That was like my favorite part because like you kind of see demon smoke go into the gun again. Scanlan ended up growing on me mm-hmm. more than I thought he would. He was very annoying to me in the first few episodes. I, I, I came to like him more. Yeah. Scanlan was okay. I, I, something about his character I don't really like. See, that this is why stuff like this is cool because me and you like, we like different things. Yeah. Uh, and like even the things we both like, we like for different reasons. Yeah. So, but um, Percy, it's great. Episode eleven: The whispers uh, at the ziggurat pits Vox Machina against the Briarwords in a climactic final battle. I really thought this was going to be the last episode, like that mm-hmm. that that scene would have been saved for the last episode. There's so much going on in this 21-minute fight scene: multiple con- uh, conflicting motivations, complex sets of power clashing, heroic sacrifices, and tragic turnarounds. It's one of the best executed fight scenes in the animated series to date, and the fact that the episode still had more fuel in the tank once it's over is staggering. It was long mm-hmm. and well done. The, yeah. the fight scene was like very detailed uh that was like the part where i looked away from what i was doing and paid much much closer attention yeah. was when that was going on um the, i also like the scene of raising the dead uh family members yeah that scene was very very cool when they threw away that one line uncle uncle yeah it smells like crap right? yeah. <laughs> yeah that that i that was it's funny that you mentioned that you, uh, you knew that i would like uh that i would think that that was funny mm-hmm. um the Briarwoods are romantic in a homicidal maniac sort of way they're kind of like the um bonnie and clyde yeah in a way i mean i i, I was okay with them like i i i would have liked a a, a briarwood evil person spinoff uh just focused on those two i feel like their storyline is very cliche because they always talk about what would you do if your loved one died yep would you basically sacrifice your um your whole human um Humanity, predictable doesn't mean bad it's not bad i didn't say it was bad i said it was predictable because mm-hmm. like they do storylines like this a lot in mm-hmm. a cult tv show series or movies yeah. where they're like what would you do if your loved one died would you bring them back to life like wandavision did that yep exactly like, in her own sick twisted way she kind of brought him back to life yep she did mm-hmm. and and everybody hated it for it uh, uh the audience not the okay i yeah. was about to say no i, I kind of like in the show they they like give her a pass i'm like she doesn't get a pass she doesn't get a pass for doing that in episode 12, The Darkness Within is a more personal exchange, devoting much of its length to the internal struggle that spills over into the rest of Vox Machina. This episode wraps up the storyline in, in a satisfying bow, which leaves a healthy mystique over future events. After all the excitement, the final episode tails into a comforting sense of success over what Vox Machina has helped achieve. It's really cool how they get to go back to Iman, uh, right, Iman? Yeah. In the castle uh, and get their praise from people for yeah. for what happened uh we got to see uh gia gina torres's character back one more time yeah. uh the in, the keeper 
something the Legend of Vox Machina simply does not come around. Ver- something like Legend of Vox Machina does not come around very often. It's a labor of love from the creators that embodied its characters to the animators who brought it to life. Uh, I think this is going to get much more than one season. Yeah, it will because like it left on a cliffhanger. So spoiler alerts. If it's got approved for a season two, <clears throat> two, I believe. Yeah, that's good. Drink that energy drink. You croak right there. But basically, it ended on a, a cliffhanger where the dragons, there's four this time that yep. come. Because, like, they kind of hinted it, like, almost at the end. Is it Vax? Or- yes. Okay, so Vax, she gets a headache. and No, that's Vex. Vex, my bad. Vexalia. That's how I remember now. Vaxladan and Vexalia. I hate their names. I know. <laughs> I hate I, it. I had to start pronouncing them as, like, their full names. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to remember. Vexalia. She's like a cool name, honestly. She does, but I just hate it that their names sound alike. Yeah. And... Yeah. Like basically, Scallion's name, um, name song in the first episode makes sense. Yep. Now he's like, it's hard to tell because they look the same, and then they kind of like say, "I'm this one, and I'm this one." Yep. But no, like, um, basically, it basically goes all the way around for to episode one, where like she explains she, every time there's a dragon nearby, she gets a headache, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, dragons coming!" And there's like four, and I'm like, "Oh, holy shit." This is going to be great. Yep. What are you looking for? What would you like to see in season two? Um, I legit want to see more storyline with um, Keyleth and Grog. Yep. Because those were the only two characters we didn't get a background story for. More, definitely more Grog. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Pike more in the present. Uh, less, I, I don't need to know as much about the, you know, her backstory and just yeah. more of her interaction with the actual team. She has a great dynamic with Grog too. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see Grog get much more screen time. Yeah. It's kind of hard because he's like, you know, big guy with a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. So they'll have a hard time writing the dialogue for that. It'll, it'll lean into the kind of the crude humor more yeah. for him, which I like, but which is fine. But, uh, I liked when this show got away from the, the crude, hu- the crude humor mm-hmm. got away from the swearing for the sake of being edgy and just told the good story. I think that's when it had its strongest points. Yeah. Uh, the fight sure. scene in episode 11 was fantastic. Uh, the wrap-up, I could have taken it or leaving it, but mm-hmm. they said, for somebody who wasn't the biggest fan of it, we'll definitely watch season two. Yeah. But I just, it, for me, it was more, I would love to see, and honestly, more Scanlan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew to like Scanlan more and more. I don't know if it's the 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 hand, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I grew to enjoy his, maybe it's because I was such a not, fan of percy yeah who is redeemed at the end like i i wrote in my notes i'm like percy conclusion good because <laughs> um you know uh, until i realized that he was being uh possessed by what's it called like the orthax or something orthax. like that until i realized that that's what was happening i really disliked him a lot oh come on i did i can't help it uh, come on you didn't like I would, I would get annoyed every time i'm like great i get it you're you have a mask on you're a dick now i get it it's stupid <laughs> okay so okay but now but now that that's gone it yeah. lends itself to that character being a lot more likable throughout the rest of the show yeah so well i'm hoping for season two you know how like keyleth basically rejected yeah vox yep. or vax yep um basically like vax vax Vax-Ladan. i hate those names or so something in vexalia and Vaxladan. i think it's Vaxladan, but it's definitely vexalia yeah. it's a great name so when she rejects his uh vax she's like earlier when you said that he was like yeah i mean it a lot and she's like i think we can't yeah 
I, so predictable. But it's so funny because like um I was watching it with Charlie and he's like, "Wait, is she a lesbian?" That's what I thought. Yeah. That's... Because like how how she like um yep. Vexalia. There we go. I got it. I got it. Finally. Um basically like touches her like she gets like a little twinkle in her eyes. But no, I hate it because in the first few episodes like it hints that she has a crush on Percy. I know. And then like the next three episodes it's with um Vax and then now it's with Vexalia. I You're hate like, it. Need more gay characters. I hate and it. It's uh, it's very Hollywood predictable. It's mm-hmm. like like I said, this is one of those kids where it doesn't bother me. I don't care. Like that's uh, I these, that doesn't bother me. But I'm not. I don't have any emotional connection to. I don't know if it's different in the source material. Well, I just hate it because it's such a tease yeah. to everybody who might like the show. Yep. But it might create weird shipping. Oh, yeah. This show is ripe for, like, mm-hmm. really, really creepy shipping stuff. Like, yeah. it's going to be, like, Pike and Grog and creepy stuff like that. Well, then there's Vexalia and Percy because, yep. like, she keeps on, like, teasing him in a certain way. Percy and, and Scanlan. That's a joke. I mean, there's something out there. I bet you. I'm going to look for it now. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure there's deviant art that we don't even want to have the slightest bit of time looking at. No, you can find it on um, Instagram also. Just put hashtag in whatever shipping you have. And they'll find it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's you the can... creepiest stuff, man. It's not. Well, yes, it's creepy, but I love the artwork when it's good artwork. I no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, so for me, season two, more of Grog, more of Pike. Mm-hmm. And Keyleth. And Keyleth, yeah. She's so likable. Mm-hmm. Like, the character... Do, are any of the... Do you? I would assume that more of the like the guest cat characters will come back. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll see... Did Anna survive? I don't remember. If, uh, Anna Ripley survive? Who's Anna? That was the one that Kelly Who played. That's the one that was in the prison, right? When episode 10 oh, started. Oh, she disappeared. She dis- because, so she like, could, she'll definitely come back. Yeah, I'm because sure. Vexalia, at the end of episode 12... It's like, where'd she go? Yeah, she was like, um, have you seen this woman missing an arm? She's a psychopath. Yep. And she was like, no, I haven't. And she was like, why do you ask? And she's like, I, I worry that she might come back for us again. And uh, also Grog swimming through the, the <laughs> acid was insane. I was like, I was waiting for his skin to peel off. Well, it did kind it. of peeled off. Yeah, that was that was like, those, like those like to me, this show had moments of brilliance where yeah. it's like uh, I would get really invested in like one character doing one scene, mm-hmm. and then Percy would come back on screen, and I'd be like, Ugh, I'm over it. Okay, leave I, my Percy. I'm alone. hoping that now that the Orthax the. Yeah. Uh, possession thing is over Mm -hmm. he will be more likable in season two and it will engage me further i'm giving it a shot i'm being i am being understanding here okay so okay yes um also the weird thing with vax being captured and hypnotized Mm -hmm. was that what that technically is hypnotism the possession kind of but he's possessed I didn't like that one. It was stupid. Yeah. I hate the, I, that's a trope that I've always hated mm-hmm. when the good guy gets possessed and it's like, mm. well, they did it twice already. Yeah. Yeah. With Cassandra. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hate all, maybe, maybe that's the real, maybe I'm blaming Percy, but it was actually all the damn, uh, pos- people being possessed as if they're suddenly bad for the, maybe yeah. that's the reason I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Percy. I didn't mean to blame you for everything. Yeah. Apologize to your fellow glassman. <laughs> glassman. Technically, that would make you a glassman too. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I maybe I'm blaming too much. I still say bring the Briarwoods back somehow. Um, but they died. I 
It's a TV show. They can find a way. No. Bring, I don't want to bring, see Lady Briarwood anymore. Lady Briarwood was awesome. I don't want to. You go, Delilah. Oh, my God. Sing Hey, Delilah. Hey, Delilah. I'm not saying, train. I'm, I'm not doing that. Hey, Delilah. I it's, think that was the plain white tease. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. By train. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. My bad. It's okay. But, no, it's kind of weird because, like, I was talking about that song with my friend. And she's like, yeah, you... You know that song? He's basically stalking a girl. Yep. Also, it's funny. In my notes, I put, uh, I put, um, I, I have the, the funniest note taking ever. Yeah. I just put Vax key frowny face. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I tend to like rate everything like with either like I, I use like an up arrow for yeah. good and then multiple up arrows for how good I think it is. Uh, but for this show, I had a hard time with it because it's like most of it had to be about how the descriptive nature by how things were done. If we had um, on TimCast.com, if we had like a, a review or ranking tab, I feel like yours would just be arrows. It would be. It, it would It would just be arrows. It used to be pluses or minuses, mm -hmm. but now it's it's up arrows and down arrows. You're like up arrows all the way. Four up arrows for to watch. Pe Peacemaker got four up arrows for me. Yeah. Uh, Reacher got like a thousand. Oh, okay. Well, Reacher was a good series. Yes. I'll tell you that. You guys were like nerding out about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we loved it. That was that was really good. It was a good series, but yeah, season two. Are you gonna watch? Yeah, we'll watch. Mm -hmm. We'll 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 watch season two. Like now that Percy is okay. Yeah. I will. I I will be more invested i think mm -hmm. like I said, sometimes you can't help it when that stuff happens like when when a certain element of a story really bothers you yeah. you can't help like if, if this had been anything else i would have just turned it off mm -hmm. but because we were reviewing it i i waited through it and like i said i to the show's uh uh credit it got better at, like at the end like once yeah. that storyline had concluded so mm -hmm. uh i i have a little bit more faith going into season two Sure. And what don't you want to see in season two? I don't want to see a weird shipping. Please <laughs> stop with the weird shipping. We get it. It's profitable because then you get um, at the fans who ship them. I don't care for it because it's kind of weird. Stop yes. that. Shipping is always weird to mm -hmm. me, man. So do you want to talk about... Uh, Podluck. Uh, Podluck. Do you want to talk about the my... Uh, I have the first version of uh, a, a new version of our fi my favorite segment. Who the hell asked for this? Who the hell asked for a Blue's Clues movie? I don't like the new actor who plays as Josh. I don't know anything about Blue's Clues. I just know that. I just know that nobody asked for this. Okay, nobody. No, it's been like a long running thing for Blue's Clues. Like everybody who watched Blue's Clues when Steve used to be the host, like let's go Steve Club. But okay, so you were a Blue's Clues fan. I watched it here and there. Okay, I watched it here and there when Nickelodeon was still like banging. But uh, God, you might, I forget how young you are sometimes. Yeah, but it's weird because they. Then they replaced Steve with Joe, and nobody liked Joe. Nobody. Liked, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about this. I just know that nobody cares. Like, if somebody tells me they're making a new Paw Patrol movie, yeah, I imagine people want a Paw Patrol movie. Mm -hmm, but you sure. tell me you want live action Powerpuff Girls? No. You tell me you want live action a Blues Clues movie? No. Mm -hmm. Well, it's already live action. It's yep. like, so the main characters, so Josh, Steve, and Joe, they're like live action yeah. but then everything around them it's like 2d 
But then, like, with the new series with Josh, it's, like, 3D, and it kind of grosses me out. Is that what this is right here? Yeah. Okay, so it says a new blues... Uh, I had to breathe. Yeah. A new Blues Clues movie is coming this year, and it brings together every era of the popular children's show. Titled Blues Clues Big City Adventure, the movie features all three Blues Clues hosts, Steve, Joe, and Josh. You can get a look at all three hosts as well as Blue below. Is that what you were talking about? Yes! Oh my god, let's go, Steve! Sorry, I'm like really excited because... Steve... You take over. This is all you, my friend. Oh my God, this is so great. So they're bringing back Steve. You guys remember him? He did. By the way, I started the segment to make fun of it because I was like, nobody gives a crap about Blues Clues. Miracle's actually excited. So you never know how things are going to go. Continue. Yeah. So Steve Burns, he's the original Blues Clues host. And like he did a little teaser when Josh was announced to be like the new host. He did a teaser where he was about to come back on and everybody was excited he was going to come back. But he was like, no, I'm too old. Steve Burns hosted Blues Clues during its original run from 1996 to 2002. Mm -hmm. After Burns left the show, Donovan Patton took over as Joe, who hosted until the show's cancellation in 2006. The show was rebooted in 2019 as Blues Clues and You, starring Josh Dela Cruz. Joe and Steve are recurring characters in the current run of the show as well. They have been all. They have been three seasons of the reboot. There have been three seasons of the rebooted series, with the fourth season already planned. So it's clearly still making money. It's still making money. It's not bad. It shows like it just goes to show like you know like I read this and like really. Mm-hmm. Blues Clues, but apparently there's money to be made in it. It says, much like last year, Spider-Man No Way Home brought together three generations of Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming together to meet with Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. This new movie also looks to bring together the three leading men from the Blues Clues history. We don't know what other Blues Clues characters will appear besides Blue herself, but we find out when the movie comes to Paramount Pictures later this year, Paramount Plus later this year. See, that shows you how little I know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Blue... Blue was a guy or girl. I didn't know nothing about that. They announced it later, but I always thought it was a boy because blue is like a boy's was, color. Was there uh was 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 there like an uproar when it was announced? No, but nobody um, cared. Nobody cared. The only reason why you knew it was girl because they made another dog that's like a magenta color. That and that's wears, the boy. Yeah, of course. Got to switch those colors around. Mm-hmm. Have to subvert expectations expectations as they love to do in hollywood exactly but a lot of people were pissed off about um joe being the blues clues host like that's what caused it to be like canceled joe's bad nobody liked him because everybody likes the nostalgia of steve but then when they hired josh to be on a lot of people were like oh they just switched up the race that's it Oh, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know anything about it, so I, I, I love hearing you being so passionate about it. Cause it's so cool. So, like, a little bit of my childhood is being revised. Miracle, you're going to learn eventually that this it's is never dope. something to be celebrated. It's going to suck, and you're, well, you I, will one day be as depressed as me. Well, I like Rescue Rangers. I like DuckTales, but I like the 2017 um DuckTales reboot that one's actually a good series your your you your your naivete and youthful exuberance is so in, in so adorable mm-hmm. if only it was something that could uh hold up in the world but eventually it will be drained out of you yeah and it will be sucked dry with nothing but cynicism and and anger mm-hmm. at hollywood keep on listening i'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding I, I hope that doesn't happen to you no it uh, doesn't i, 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 I hope 
it like... probably will at some point. Uh, it, you know how I know? Because right down here it says Paramount dropped a ton of big announcements this week and, and it comes with other stuff we talked about, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles by Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. See, that is my childhood yep. being taken over by an absolute douche canoe that I don't want touching Teenage Mutant Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles. They also announced that they're getting a second season of Halo before the first one even came out. Why? And it's not like the promotion for that movie has... It's not like the reception to that trailer was so good that it mm-hmm. justifies it. So who knows? And Miracle, we've got one more article that yes. I know you're going to want to talk about. I'm so excited for this one. You, How, how excited are you? Super excited because we get a Pikachu train. Uh... <laughs> Everybody watching is like, what the hell are we talking about? Tell, tell people about this because I know nothing about what's okay, going on. Okay, so here. Pokemon gets a new travel variety show on April third. So, so, so it's like a like something you'd see on HGTV here in America. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So basically, uh, okay, I'm not gonna pronounce his first name because I always get the uh, that kind of name wrong. But Masu- I, I guys, I like I pawn this off on her because anytime we have to do anything anime news network related, we like I try to be so good and respectful with the names, but it's it, like I can usually get them right if I have time to like sit there and read it. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to read it, I'm having trouble reading at all today. Yeah. So I, I would not be able to. Are you talking about the name up here? Yeah, that's basically the guy who's going to host the whole thing. Ryogo Matsumara. Matsumaru. Matsumaru. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, hosts Pokemon. To doko ikuru. So basically, it means like, where are you going, Pokemon? And it's gonna be short for um, Poco Doko. Pokemon is like a never-ending money train. Yes, and don't make, take it away from me. It will make money for like it will make money forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep going. Don't take it away from me. When you made Pikachu have a female voice, like basically they made a movie on Netflix where Pikachu's speaking human. And it's a girl's voice. I was like, no, enough of this. Bullshit. Who voiced Pikachu in the original? Um, well, a guy yeah. or a girl. So basically in the Japanese version, it's a girl, but she only makes the sound effect. Yeah. But then when they did the English dub for the movie where like Pikachu speaking English, it's a girl. Okay. And everybody like lost their shit. They thought it would be a boy. Well, it's just weird. Okay. It's just weird hearing Pikachu being like the other Pokemon that speaks English. Like, yeah. There's Meowth and then Mewtwo. Yeah, I can't it. imagine hearing Pikachu speak English. It's so weird because like Pikachu dies again. Spoiler alerts for you guys who didn't watch that movie. Pikachu died. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, Pikachu dies and he's like talking to Ash in like this romantic kind of way. And I'm like, no, enough of this. It's a little weird. Yeah. So basically, the Pokemon franchise is getting a new variety show titled Poco, um, Pokemon to Doko Ikru, which means where are you going, Pokemon? And then the short form is going to be Poco Doko. That will premiere on tv tokyo on april 3rd so people here can't even see it at least people in the u.s can't mm-hmm. see it unless like you have nhk and like they'll do a little news bit about it is there a way do you, do you th- is there do they usually have a way to watch this stuff streaming in other countries um, i'm assuming not no it wouldn't but usually when pokemon does stuff that is released in japan they'll release it on their youtube channel okay and then they'll release it on the american one okay cool so people might be able to find it mm-hmm. so this is the show will focus on travels related to pokemon the host will visit fans of the franchises from all over the world the show will also feature a car designed after pikachu <laughs> i i assume that the car is what made miracle want to do this I 
You're a child. It's awesome. I love it's it. Hilarious. It's like I love it. The only time when they did something really cool like this in the U.S., they had an Adventure Time one. I really wish I could have your level of excitement and energy sometimes. <laughs> I love it. Look at it. It's so cute. I hope like the I hope the horn goes pika pika. I oh, hope. God. This is what I love. Yeah. Oh my god. So what do we say? Is this Ryogo Matsumaru? Mm-hmm. Matsumaru will host the program with uh, driver. Uh, what does that say? Apa. Uh, Abareru? Mm-hmm. Kun? Yeah. Okay. Abareru Kun. And navigator uh, uh, Nakagawa. Yep. Uh, a mystery female celebrity will join them, and TV Tokyo will announce the identity of a later at uh, the identity of a later date. Oh, my God. Net- Netflix premiered Pokemon Master Journeys, the series, on September 10th. The second part of the anime debuted on Netflix on January 21st. The Pokemon Journeys, uh, the series, premiered on TV Tokyo and its affiliates in Japan in November of 2019, uh, two days after the Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield games shipped worldwide. It's just, it's like a never-ending money train. Exactly. And and it does well. All of it does well. All the time. You can't go wrong with it. Um. Well, do you see that poster art where it says Master Journeys? Mm-hmm. So there's Ash and then there's Go. And Go, like when they released Go's design the first time, they were like, is this like a transgender person? Because they have really long eyelashes. <laughs> and like people went crazy for it. But then like they were like, no, it's a boy. Do you, you guys chill out with that identity politics have you ever seen that meme that says like no guy has ever looked at a woman thought she'd be more attractive if her eyelashes were longer yeah (laughs) that is the truth my friend Mm -hmm. when nobody we don't care nobody cares we don't care but no women care women absolutely care that's why they get that's why they make their eyelashes longer well like also i love it how baby boys they have long eyelashes I love it. And I only talk about it because our coworker Chris Carr brought his baby. You are weirdly like both uh half child yourself in the things you like and yeah. obsessed with having kids. Yeah. Uh you're you're a mystery, my friend. So, <laughs> I am anomaly. Uh you are you are very strange. So yeah. between blues clues like this is the most unme topic ever for Podluck <laughs> exactly. to be talking about like blues clues and Pokemon. Like I literally covered the blues clues thing as like a joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh and you're like legitimately excited about it. Because they're bringing back Steve. I don't care. Okay. Well, when you grow up with Steve going like, we got a clue. And he draws it out and you're like, son of a bitch is right there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for swearing right there. <laughs> Sorry. It's because early Nickelodeon, when they had Dora Explorer and Blue's Clues, where they're talking to the TV, they're like, do you see the clue? And you're like, it's right there. It's right there. It became like a weird Vine and TikTok meme for a little bit. Yep. So uh, is there anything else you're looking forward to recently? You sent me a bunch of other articles. We don't uh, have to pull them up. Is there anything else you're looking forward to? Apparently, Haichu's doing a collaboration. Okay, with- is that like Haichu the candy? Yeah. Okay. It's a candy. And, and what is it? And they're releasing a voice drama with the anime series called Quintessential Quintuplets. I never heard of it, but it's like five little girls. Okay. And they're doing, like, they made it into a manga, but then they are now doing a voice drama. I don't know what a voice drama is. Uh, it would be like a radio drama. So okay. it's like it's like uh, it's vocal. It's vocalization only. Yeah. So basically, this is like a collaboration for Haichu to get more sales. Have you ever tried Haichu's? Uh, I see them at the store all the time. They're so good, and I have a funny story about Haichu's. So when the first time I went to Japan, mm-hmm. my friend Jazzy, I love her so much. Um, she's like miracle. She's like, I heard that you're going to Japan. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want from there? And she's like, can I have foreign high shoes? And I'm like, what the hell is foreign high shoes? They're different. 
It's the only the reason why she called it foreign haichu is because they have the Japanese characters. Oh, uh, okay. It's kind of like those um like those Kinder mm-hmm. like the eggs yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. you used to only be able to get them overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like people would get caught like transporting them back to America. Well, they got banned because kids were the so, toys, yeah. right? The kids were so dumb putting the whole thing in their mouth. You're so nice to people, <laughs> Miracle. I'm sorry. You took away Kinder from me and then they brought it back, but it's stupid now because they're afraid dumb kids might choke on it. They're not dumb. They're just kids. No. I was a kid and I was like, oh, you're supposed to unwrap it. You're not done. They're not. They did that in an old episode. It was like Bones where he's like kids when they're talking about Santa Claus. And yeah. he's like kids have he's like Santa Claus. What Santa Claus tries to do is clearly impossible. Yeah. And then he, t- he makes these ridiculous calculations about how fast you'd have to go from house to house. And then she yeah. goes, kids are stupid. Kids are stupid for having to believe or for choosing to believe that. And yeah. Like, they're not stupid. They're just kids. <laughs> They're not stupid. They're just kids' miracle. Well, when I was a kid, when Kinder was still, like, not banned from the U.S. yet, like, I knew that you're supposed to peel it off first and then eat the chocolate part and then open the center and it's going to have a toy. Because I learned this from Kirby. This is what anime teaches you. Anime is very valuable. Apparently so. <laughs> it's very valuable. If you want to not choke on toys. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, um, there was an episode in Kirby where they had their own version of Kinder Toys. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, like, limited edition, like, figurines. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, the kids, like, they bit the chocolate and they're like, ew, this chocolate is expired. And then, like, later in the episode, they're, like, wrapping it up and throwing away the chocolate. And, like, everybody's like, what are you doing? They're like, the <clears throat> chocolate tastes bad. We just want the toy. That's not hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people used to go to, there used to be a thing like when McDonald's would have like special runs of toys for Happy yeah. Meals when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, people would go and buy Happy Meals, not even to eat the food, but just to get the toys to get hopefully the whole collection of well, toys. Well, now McDonald's knows that people just want the toys. So if you go up to the your local McDonald's clerk and say, do you have this certain toy? They'll look at and they'll look for you, and then you just tell them, like, yeah, I just want to buy it. They'll <laughs> give it to you if you buy it. Very nice of them. Yeah, like, I was watching this one guy. He's more excited about this, but apparently McDonald's released, like, these limited edition Stitch toys. And he was, like, looking for a certain Stitch toy. He was like, excuse me, do you have this certain Stitch toy? And they're like, let me check in the back. And, like, he was like, cool, I'll buy it. And they're like, cool. And they gave him two. Oh, that was very nice of mm-hmm. them. See, I, I that wasn't the thing when I was a kid. My mom used to, I when mm-hmm. uh, when I was cleaning up my apartment here, yeah. I found like boxes of McDonald's toys that my mom had, Aww. like the ones with like Disney characters, mm-hmm. like uh, they were in like VHS boxes yeah. in the yeah, like really old Dude, school you stuff know like they that. Cost a lot now. Oh yeah, I, I I still have. I think I might just kept some of it just to see if I one day wanted to like eBay it or mm-hmm. like look at what they would go for on eBay, but yeah. I'd well, rather. I have the original like McDonald's toys that turn into monsters. I have those original ones. I don't know what those are. Oh, then it might have came out before your time because it was my mom's. Uh, probably not. Oh, before. Oh, your mom. Well, yeah. Your mom are like the same age or close to the same age. <laughs> close to the same age. Close yeah. to the same age. So that's uh. So th- yes, I I don't know. Uh, uh, McDonald's toys were a thing. Mm-hmm. McDonald's toys but, were a thing. 
more things that I sent you. We're gonna talk about it with Dane. It's more Kanye news. Yep. Well, that well, yeah. Like, uh, you always send me celebrity stuff. I was like, why don't you send me stuff like this? This is the stuff well, you like. I do, but like a lot of it is really old. Or YouTube. Well, yeah. Or YouTube new. Like you. Yeah, you, I was you, so excited because they just released a new trailer for Constantine, and it's gonna talk about the mystery house. I'm saying YouTube. YouTube. Like, there's like YouTubers that you are are fans of. Like, you could we could do stuff like that. Yeah, but I need to find articles yeah, that requires me like to do to do part <laughs> of your job. That requires me to go on the interwebs. Okay, well, Miracle, thank you for yeah. it was a, it was a good show. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what what do you think? Where can they find you on social media? Um, you can't find me anywhere because I don't have social media because it rots your brain. But you can find me on Cast Castle. Yes, on on the Cast Castle vlog here on YouTube. Yep, or on YouTube. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Brett Dasovic. And if you want to follow the channel, if you want to follow Pop Culture Crisis, we are on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel there. Watch the videos, like the videos, leave comments, all that stuff. It's highly appreciated. And then after you've done that, if you've done that, go to the description box where you will find a link to the uh the podcast link to the yeah. Spotify playlist, uh, which has the full unabridged episodes start to finish. It really is the best way to watch the podcast in my humble opinion. Yep. After that, it's also available on Amazon music on Apple podcast. It's also on Pandora and on social media. We are on Twitter at pop culture underscore show. And we are also on Facebook and on TikTok. It would make Dane very happy because he will be our guest tomorrow. If you would follow us there and is on Facebook and TikTok at Pop Culture Crisis. We will be back with another episode tomorrow. See you then, guys. Bye. Bye.